0: If you would turn to Luke uh, 16, we're going to start in verse 1, Luke 16, verse 1, hallelujah. God is so good to us, Luke 16. And he said also unto his disciples, there was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. He called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest no longer uh, be steward. Then the steward said with himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me The stewardship, and I cannot dig, and to beg I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of the Lord's debtors unto him, and said unto the first, How much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, Take thy bill, sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then said he to another, How much owest thou? He said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said unto him, Take thy bill and write fourscore. And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. Um, As we've been talking about uh, coming up to light and we have been uh, really hitting this from many different perspectives. um, One of the important things that I think we have to recognize is the world is outmaneuvering us. In other words, what Jesus is saying is that he understood his system that he operated in, although Jesus is commending him or the Lord is commending him and he is telling the story to commend his, his skill and his acumen, but dealing in his own worldly system. And he's like, the children in their worldly system are smarter and wiser than the children of light when it concerns their system. And what people, because we are exposed to the world so greatly, uh, people don't think that there's a difference between worldly principles and biblical principles. And This is a huge challenge because I can assure you that 90% of what Christians go through is rooted in the idea that they have not learned there's a different system for you. There's a different way of operating for you. Um, Once you know better, once you are exposed and realize that there is a different type of system for you, then you operate differently. You handle yourself differently differently. You don't do like the world does because it it becomes the thing that holds us back. It becomes the thing that keeps us from ever achieving what it is that God wants us to have. You've got to think about something. If you're doing things the world's way, how does God get the glory for what you do? And I am amazed at how many people think that they can live like the world They can, you know, shack up. They can do all kinds of stuff, live as the world would live, but somehow think that God stamps his blessing on top of worldly things. And what you've got to know is that if you want the fullness of what God has for you, see, the, the flip side of this, the contrary to this, is where people think God is walking around with a mallet ready to bust you in the head. And that's not the case. But what you have to understand is, opening the door, giving a place to Satan, now puts you in a position where you're exposed. And so it, it, it's kind of like, you know, I I uh, <laughs> I grew up in the hood, so <clears throat> you don't pack your car when you're going on vacation outside. Some of you laughed. But some of y'all, you be on Facebook talking about, I'm leaving for three weeks, I left the key under the front mat. (laughs) You just, you learn certain things when you understand where you are. (laughs) And so, you know, even to this day, and, and, you know, I live in a guard-gated community in the whole nine yards, I still won't pack my car without closing the garage. Because I don't know these people. Are you understand what I'm saying? And when you live a certain way, you can expose yourself to things you don't have, you should not have to deal with as a believer. And and if God is in the light and he expects you to walk in the light, how many of you know your protection's in the light? Because that's where he is. Are you with me? And when you step into darkness, when you step out of the light, when you begin to do things that you know God is not going to put his approval on then you find yourself in a place where now you have greater exposure you just did your Facebook post that said I'll be gone for three weeks and the, front, the key is under the f- mat in the front door and now Satan remember who comes to do what Let, let's, let's go to um, John ten ten 10 real quick can we put that in the uh, NIV I want you to really pay attention to the wording here the thief comes what Only. And when you understand that it says he only comes. Then you got to stop thinking in your head that somehow you can play the devil's games. And come out on top. Because if he only comes. You know what only means? (laughs) You know what only means in the Greek? you know what it means in Hebrew? It means that's the only thing He does. He doesn't come to temporarily bless you and give you a sidetrack to God. He comes to steal. He comes to kill. And He comes to destroy. And the problem that many people are not understanding in the body of Christ... See... <clears throat> One of the things that we do as a church is we teach what we call attractional uh, series. And attractional series typically are dealing with a felt need. And when we deal with this felt need, it is usually designed to be missional. In other words, to allow you to go out and to evangelize and to invite and to bring people to God. It's attractional. Then there are certain messages we teach that are growth messages. And we alternate those, like elephant in the bedroom. That is an attractional. That's a missional uh, type of thing where it's designed to draw people and bring them up into things of God. This type of series is one of those things that cause you to grow. And you can't you can't teach this every day all year long, because you know at some point you get punched drunk. <laughs> But by the same token, these are the moments you grow the greatest. And this is where we understand how to give you the meat, so to so speak, that you would continue to grow. And that's what this is all about. This is to help you to understand. When you realize that all he comes to do, that's it, then a lot of times what people have lost, things they've lost, ministries that have been lost, uh, callings that have been lost, Finances that have been lost, uh, possessions that have been lost, things that relationships that have been destroyed, things that have been uh, 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 decimated. People think that this is an attack from Satan, not realizing that in some cases you gave it to him. It's one thing to say someone robbed me. It's another to say, I let them in my house and told them, then go ahead and take it. You can't report. If you gave them your car and they're driving around in it, you can't report a stolen. You have no basis for that. The only legal basis is when Satan crosses the line. This is why the Bible said that if they had the wisdom um, that of God and understood the mysteries of God, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. What caused Satan to empower Christ to do what he came to do is the fact that he crossed the line. It's the fact that he harmed an innocent man. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And so when Satan crosses the line and he harms an innocent person or a person who he does not have a right to touch, you have every right to rebuke, bind, cancel, claim, Take back multiples because he stepped outside of his rights. What do you do when you gave it to him? That's why the Bible says give no place. See, this guy was accused of squandering his opportunity. And he then recovered it by working the system and understanding how these things uh, work. And when you deal with understanding the system, you begin to understand that things don't work the way you think they do. They work the way God says they work. See, this is why when we talked about revelation, revelation truly, the principle behind the revelation never changes. The Bible is what the Bible is, and it says what it says. But the way that revelation comes is idiosyncratic to the person. It's specific to you. What challenges do we have to get through your thinking, your craziness, your stinking thinking, your ideas, your psychology? This is why in the uh, presentation of the word, the exegesis of the word is rooted also in psychology. People don't think the psychology matters when it comes to the things of God, but it does. Because how do I get a revelation across to you when your psychology resists you? This is why everybody struggles with different things. Everybody doesn't struggle with the same problem. And so certain people struggle with things because of their self-esteem. Well, that's a psychology thing. If you've never, I mean, I remember we were doing a a shelter, homeless shelter. We were, uh, we brought, um, I think it was ice cream and desserts or something like that we did. I I don't remember exactly what we brought, but we came there to bless them. And we had a, a small service for them. And then we let some to the Lord. And I remember one lady who had to be in her uh, 40s easily. She was just bawling. And one of the people that were there with us, part of the team, they were ministering to her. And they grabbed me and pulled me into the huddle. Because this woman said she had never in 40 something years, no one had ever told her that they loved her. Now. Do you understand, in 40 years, no one has ever said that they loved her. That's not a spiritual thing. That's a psychological thing. And so now how do you build people up in their understanding of who they are? Because you can't have, the only way you can have poor self-esteem is you have no knowledge of your God. That's the only possible way. Right. Because when you know that he said you were fearfully and wonderfully made. How do you then have. Right. These are factual statements. He said you were accepted in the beloved. Yes. So how, how do we get there without psychology being the issue? Yes. This is why what we talked about was the idea that you have any understanding that if you have a revelation, if you have light. Do you have any idea what it took God to get that light to you? (laughs) All the things he had to overcome to get you to see it, to go, aha, now I get it. And then as he continues to teach you and show you things, you continue to have greater and greater revelation. All of that cannot be dependent upon God's ability, because if it was, he could just snap his fingers and you'd have it. Why would Revelation need to be progressive if you could just get it if he gave it? He's always giving. He's always revealing himself. He's always sharing who he is in everything that he does, everything that you see. Isn't it something how when Jesus was talking about seek ye first the kingdom of God, the first thing he started to explain is the grass of the field, The lilies, the birds. He's talking about taking care of you and supplying your every need. But the first thing he references is the grass of the field, the birds of the air, the lilies in the field. And he says, even Solomon is not arrayed like the lilies are. Do you understand how crazy that sounds in the natural? But when you look at it from a spiritual standpoint, He's telling you that if you can look out and see the lilies of the field and think that this all slid off the back of an ice cube. If you can look at the grass of the field, if you can look at the sky, if you can look at mountains, if you can look at the ocean and believe that somehow this all miraculously just fell off of something without the divine intervention and divine construction and divine planning that actually had to take place to uh, affect your life, who you are, what you have, and what you see. So when you begin to realize that, what he's telling you is in everything you see, God is represented. He's revealing himself all the time. Because here's what people think. Maybe when I reach a certain level of spirituality, then I can get better revelations. No. No, no one person is better than the other. It, it's, it's one of those things like when you watch a drummer, one, one of the things that always amazes me about a drummer is how they can play different beats with all different parts of their bodies. Like this foot would be playing one, this one's playing another, and, and they're all going at the same time. I, you know, I struggle walking and chewing gum <laughs> at the same time. So I don't know how they do that. But do you understand? They're not better than me. They're more experienced than me. They practice and practice and practice. And anything you invest your time into yes, will move from the area of, of, of a incompetence, to mastery and proficiency. But most people won't take the time. Because they're too busy with this. They're too busy with that. And they don't take the time to study their word, to digest their word, to allow God to speak to them about what they're going through so that they can continue to become more skilled with it so that revelations and greater revelations come. There are things I'm telling you I've heard 50 million times. And then there will be a day where I'll hear it and I'll go, wow. Mm -hmm. And that's the moment of revelation. That's the moment where the revelation of God reaches the faculty of man. See, if you've never seen lilies of the field, the moment you see a flower, you're drawn to it. Because it's the first time you've ever seen it. That's not the first time it ever showed up. <laughs> That's the first time you saw it. You ever be driving down the street and you see something and you go, oh, I didn't know that was there. Well, you do know that they didn't build all of that the moment you saw it. So that meant it's been there. You just never saw it. Are, are you kind of getting where I, I know this is a little... Uh, rudimentary if you will but it's extremely important because sometimes people think that revelation is only given to a key few they think it's a club oh well if I was pastor I'd have no (laughs) God has never said that I reveal myself better to this person than this person it's the direct result of the effort and the time that it takes to get it It's a direct result of your desire to have it. This is why he says, seek ye first. In other words, whatever you go after is what you'll get. See, if you're chasing, you know, the opposite sex, then that's what you end up with. If you're chasing after God, you're going to find your mate. Because your mate will be chasing after God too. And you'll find each other because you're chasing after the same things. Are you with me? And it builds the commonality that is necessary to have a foundation that can be built upon. This is why light becomes so important. Because when you are looking for at people, you are not judging their light. But you're evaluating it to see as it relates to you. I can't, listen, I can't deal with with people to direct my life with lower light than I have. Because what will happen is if I operate in the level of light they have, I will get what they have. And this is one of the most difficult things to do as a believer. It's not that you're better than anybody because that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is you have to be very selective because once you get past the need to be needed, you begin to realize, I can't involve myself with this. Your light level is too low. And you're going to try to pull me down to your thinking. You're going to buck against everything that I think I can do. And so what I can believe God for is going to be affected, particularly if we married. Because now we're one flesh. How do we come into agreement with what we're believing God for? One of the things when, when we do... Uh, marital counseling or marital guidance, um, We, I, I've had spouses will come in and they'll say, tell my spouse to get their faith up because I can believe for this, but they're holding me back. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> First of all, don't come here telling me what I'm fitting to do. <laughs> Second of all, <laughs> I'd rather you come into agreement at a lower level than to keep fighting each other at a higher level and never get a thing. For example, just, just, I'm just throwing numbers out so this would make sense. One spouse can believe for $100. The other one can believe for 50 If you keep holding to the 100 and this one is stuck on 50 and can go no higher, Y'all will never come into agreement. And if you can't come into agreement, you don't get the 100 nor the 50. Because how can two walk together unless they... So then it's always come down to the 50. And let's work that for a while. Let's get the 50. And then let's push a little bit to the 60. 60. See, because once somebody hits 50, they don't feel so bad about 60. And then once they get to 60, work them to the 75. And you keep working at it until you can get them where you need them to be. But it has to be a place that they have accomplishment and understand how revelation comes. Because otherwise, you get nothing. So what I'm trying to get you to understand is, your revelation levels have to be commensurate with the people you surround yourself with. That doesn't mean you won't be around people with lower levels. Trust me, you will. But if you're not careful, you will begin to take on the attitudes and the understandings of people that will speak death to your dreams. They will speak theft, (laughs) death, and destruction. And you will yield to it because you came up to light, but you backed away from it. Are, are y'all, we OK? OK, so then when the revelation of God meets the faculty of man, <clears throat> that's when you are revelated. And remember when the Bible talks about the room of the unlearned. Or, in other words, the room of the ungifted. How will they know what's going on if they're ungifted or else they are not fully brought into the understanding of God or the things of God? And so, Acts chapter 7, verse 48. Acts chapter 7, verse 48. Howbeit, the Most High dwelleth not. In temples uh, made with hands, as saith the prophet. Heaven is my, th- my throne. Earth is my footstool. What house will you build me, saith the Lord? And what is the place of my rest? Have not my hand made all these things? The nose, verse 51. Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised. Let's stop there for just a second. Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised. If we were to take that at its literal meaning, it means your neck is stiff <laughs> and you still have foreskin, right? right? But then notice what he says: in heart and in. So, he's not talking about circumcision naturally. And he's not talking about being stiff-necked, naturally. He's talking about the parameters of your heart and your ears as to how you hear revelation. Mm. Notice what he says. You do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do ye. You ever have someone... I, I try to keep a certain amount of people in my life that I know are unsaved for a couple reasons. And I'll tell you what they are. One is because I'm believing to get them saved. Or I'm believing to plant seeds that someone else might build upon that eventually they will be saved. Are you, are you with me? No matter how stupid the conversations are, no matter how crazy their messes are, I don't have a lot of them because I I just don't have the patience for too many. But I also want to be sensitive to what the world is dealing with. Because I want to know. I want to know what the problems are. I want to know what the needs are. I want to understand. Because you can become so revelated that you become distanced from reality. And you become so heavenly minded that you are no earthly good. Are are you understanding what I'm saying? So... Have you ever noticed, though, that with people who are not saved or people that are not fully in, there are certain conversations you just can't have? You're listening to them talk, and they're telling you their problem. And in your head, you're going, I know the answer to that. But I can't tell you. Because if I told you, you would think I was crazy. You would think I, I've lost it. you think I'm making stuff up. It would be foolishness to you. When the reality is, I just gave you the answer. So when he says, you do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. In other words, there are spiritual things. There's a different system. And we are not supposed to be Circumcised, uncircumcised in our heart and in our ears we are to cut away in our hearts the nonsense cut away in our ears the things that would baffle the sound and be crystal clear on the things that God's revealing to us and talk to us because you said am I in a house with hands do, or made with hands do I live up the street from you didn't I make all of this so then at what point do you realize that if God's going to deal with you, he does not deal with you in the flesh? He doesn't deal with you by the presence of stuff and things and people. I'm, I'm amazed at how many people, I prayed for somebody and boom, somebody showed up. Okay, did you pray out loud? Because for every spoken prayer, there are two gods that are hearing it. And you better know which one sent it. And we don't know it by what we see. We know it by the internal leading of the Holy Ghost. But when you become stiff-necked and uncircumcised in your life, you don't know what's God and what ain't. And that's why it says, why do you always resist? (coughs) See, (laughs) Uh I know. You understand that spiritual things, some people are so tired. Listen to me. Some people are so tired. And I don't mean I need to take a nap tired. I don't mean if I could just get an extra hour of sleep, Hit the snooze button ten times tired. I'm talking about some people are so exhausted. Because they're literally resisting the Holy Ghost. (laughs) God's trying to give you answers. Tell you don't do this. Tell you don't do that. And because you are fighting light. You're exhausted spiritually. Because you're parched. See, when the Bible talks about being planted near the rivers of water, you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. One of the things you have to understand is that being a tree planted near the rivers of water means that you constantly have a source of water. And as you have a source of water, you don't break like trees that don't have water. I remember I I bought an investment property and there was a tree that had no leaves and I just assumed it was seasonal. But when the seasons started to change, nothing happened on this tree. So I called in a arborist, which I never knew what arborist was until I had this particular problem. And this guy came out and he looked at it and he said, the tree is dead. So it's actually infested uh, with termites, he said, and the tree is dead. So I said, Now what do I do? He said, Well, I would advise you to bring it down. And I'm like, Yeah, but I don't want to put it's an investment problem. I don't want to put that kind of money into it. He said, The problem is that if you don't bring it down, he said, if a good storm wind, you know how Arizona stuff can happen, he said, if it hits it just the right way, he said, these branches are so big. That they'll fall on the top of the roof of this house and cause it to cave in. He said, You just, it, it would be safer just to get rid of it. So, guess what we did? Well, the reason that I had to do that is because the tree had no water in it. See, light, when you are revelated, you're not thirsty. When you're revelated, you're full of light. You are full of the water, the living water. So now as a revelated person, when I walk in the revelations that God has given me, when I walk into things that I know to do, then I don't break because I'm not dry. There's a weariness that comes from being dry. Not having studied. How many of you have ever gone a while without studying and realized how dry you got? And, and then you get back into your studies, you get back into your devotionals, whatever it is you do, and you begin to realize, hey, this is this is home. Okay, why do you think that is? That's why he said, "All ye that are thirsty, come unto me and think." No, because y'all like to think. <laughs> you process everything you hear through your thoughts. Well, that just sounds bizarre. You mean to tell me that God can heal people? Then why are people dying of sickness? You're thinking. And if you factor the revelations of God through your thinking, then you become stiff-necked and uncircumcised. Because now you're trying to allow your ears and your heart to process what God has said as if he submitted it to you and said, hey, proofread this for me. It's arrogance. gone on the seed. And this is the point that I'm trying to get across to you is the idea that there are so many things that God wants to do in our lives. And the, the length that it takes, well, I've been at it for 12 years, that's not God's problem. The moment you say, I've been at it and I haven't seen it. I've been tithing and I haven't seen it. it, it the moment you say stuff like that, the automatic thought should be, what am I missing? But see, it's, it, it's, it's, <laughs> it is, uh <laughs> It is nature of people to assume it's got to be on God's end because it can't be on mine. Besides, I'm me. I like me. (laughs) When the reality is that it's the stiff-necked heart. It is the uncircumcised ears that won't hear the way things need to be heard, so that we can get the understandings we need. This is why we, if you know, almost every time I say the same thing. We pray for what? Clarity, light, illumination, revelation, and understanding. Why? Because if you can get all of those things, your life will never be the same. Your growth will never be the same. And it's always afforded to us. It is just a measure of our desire and our hearts. That's why if you thirst for it, You'll get it. But see, a lot of people ain't thirsty for it. They've gotten into routine. They've gotten into a habit. They, they get on the platform and they sing out of out of habit and not out of true devotion unto God. They'll get up and preach out of just habit and not out of true devotion unto God. They'll 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 serve in different areas of the church. They don't do it out of devotion to God. They do it out of obligation to God or out of just patterns or habits and they lose sight of the revelation they had that got them to do what they were doing in the first place now it doesn't produce much for you and truthfully you're dry it happens all the time and, and the requirement for you when it comes to God is he wants you to seek him always He wants you to be revelated always so that when you are going after him, he can take you line upon line. He can take you to the next level of things. He can bring you greater understanding. He can teach you the depth of things that you seek after knowing. But you've got to be someone who's passionate. You've got to be someone who desires it. You've got to be someone who's after it. And that is not a character thing. That's a volitional thing. That's a measure of I want it. I've seen, I've seen people, I, I, as I look around the room, there are many people in this room that I have watched go through some of the craziest attacks, and they've stayed passionate. They've stayed desiring. They've stayed after. They maybe fumble a little bit, but they get it back together, and they get back on it. And I've watched God do amazing things. And then there's, and there's different people where I'm like, it's, it's what are we waiting on? <laughs> you can see why this is kind of tough, right? But it's, it's one of those things that I'm telling you, it's the answers that people typically are looking for, um, that they just don't put the pieces together. Revelation is not always instant. Sometimes it's progressive. Progressive. Uh, Sometimes there's things that God needs to get you to understand here so he can take you here so he can take you here. Sometimes it's an instant thing. Uh, Sometimes he gives you half of it and waits until you're at a spiritual place to handle the rest of it. See, it's and this is why I was talking about the, 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 the different things of the world. God is revealing himself naturally all the time. If you can truly walk around and think there is no God. I, I I don't know how you get there. Mm-hmm. To me, it takes more faith mm-hmm. to believe there is no God yeah. than to... It's easier to believe there is. Yeah. But you'd be shocked at how many people live in this place and can also see the things that are going on in the world. Look at Proverbs 20, verse 27. <clears throat> so then... When we make decisions, when we live our lives, when we uh, are faced with challenges, then how many of you understand that God is not going to lead you through outward circumstances? He's never led his people that are new believers or or New Testament believers Mm -hmm. by outward circumstances. When people did not have the Holy Ghost inside of them, when they were Old Testament saints, Mm -hmm. he had to use signs. He had to use, you know, fleeces. He had to use uh, ephods and and things to communicate his messages. Once the Holy Ghost is residing on the inside of you, he no longer leads you that way. This is what the Bible says is the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Your spirit is how God is going to show you things. And I'm telling you, woe be unto the person who's not listening. I've told this story, I don't know how many times, but I'll tell it again. There was a minister. If I named him, you would know him because he's, he's, he's pretty substantial in the ministry. And um, he went to a meeting and he took his music minister with him and in his private plane. And when they got there, they had the meeting. And as he was leaving, the Holy Ghost on the inside of him said, don't get on that plane. So he told his uh, music minister, he said, Listen, I'm not. We, we're not flying home tonight. He says, I'll, I'll have the pilot check it out tomorrow, he said, and then uh, we'll go home tomorrow. And he says, and the music, music minister said, I got something I got to do tonight. He said, so I'm going to have to go home. And he says, well, if you want to, you can. He said, but I'm not going. He said, so we'll just send a plane back for me. Long story short, the music minister prayed over the plane. He pled the blood of Jesus over it and, and prophesied that it was going to be fine. That plane crashed. He died. The pilot died. And the minister who would not get on the plane obviously did not. Now, most people would say, how could God let that happen? He done told you. His obligation is not to twist your arm and force you to do things. He says, I will reveal it to you. And show you things to come. You can't have a word that supersedes the word he gave you. See, this this gets into Rhema and Logos. And I, I, I really, we could be here all night with that. But people don't understand that God can give you a word always lines up with scripture. Mm -hmm. But God can give you a specific word and it's just as valuable as the written word. And you can't plead the blood of Jesus over a direction he gave you. So, for example, if... uh, Reverend Ricky had a private plane, and we flew somewhere. If he ain't getting on it, I ain't getting on it. It's just that simple. If he says, I just don't feel right about it, neither do I. <laughs> Let's go on call the Marriott up. We <laughs> Get us a rental car, we good. I'll stay here as long as I'll drive home if I have to. It just, just, I'm not getting on it. But do you know how many people think that they can override the internal witness? And well, you know, I just kind of knew, but I ignored it. Are you crazy? You ignored it? You you beg and you plead and you ask God to answer you. And when He does, you have the audacity to just think it doesn't. That's why I said people are stiff-necked. See, when God leads you, he doesn't lead you through the circumstance. He'll, he'll, he'll tell you what to do, and it defies all circumstances. I, I remember a business owner uh, who went to a church, that a pastor that I know, and um, he came to the pastor and he said, to, you know, God's telling me to buy this business. And then the pastor was like, well, then you better buy it like but it's not making any money it's failing and they like are you sure god told you to buy it? I'm positive then buy it so he vacillated back and forth and eventually he did buy it within a year of him buying it there was accounts receivables for millions out money that was owed to the company all of that money started coming in See, just because on paper, it don't look. Anything that is being done for the furtherance of the gospel is never wasted money. That set me free. It really did. Because I began to realize some things I think about, I'm like, wasn't that a waste of money? Does it move the gospel forward? Does it take care of God's people? Does it bless someone? Does it help make it happen? Because anything, anything that furthers the gospel or the ability to promote and to affect the gospel is never a waste of money, ever, So when people are saving God all kinds of money. Well, we'll buy this instead of this. We'll do that instead of that because this one's cheaper. Okay, how's that helping? All you're really demonstrating is the cheapness that you believe God is. (laughs) Never mind. So, it tends to be the reasonings of man that fight our revelations. If he leads you by, his, by the Spirit, by your Spirit, and his Spirit, the Bible says, bears witness with your spirit, do you understand that sometimes you'll feel things that have never been said? I'll give you a great example. Um, I had years ago, an investor who uh, she would buy and fix and flip properties. And as I started working with her, I would get exposed to different people she was doing business with on particular deals. And as I developed a friendship, I said, listen, I wouldn't trust that person. And her response would always be, you're so judgmental. You don't even know him. Get to know them first. And I'd be like, "Yeah." You know, in in the uh, West Indies, they have a saying, my spirit no take he or my spirit no take she. Mm -hmm. Something's just off. And I can't explain it to you. I couldn't say they did this. They did that. Here are the concrete reasons why. And some of you, because you desire such approval from people, Mm -hmm. you override that thinking I got to give them a chance. And more importantly, if you are one of those people that are completely broken when it comes to relationships, you will try to fix it. Because you like broken things instead of new ones. All the while, a leading, the Holy Spirit is bearing witness with your spirit, telling you, this is a problem. Be leery. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. (laughs) Some of you are like, who's Will Robinson? (laughs) Sometimes my age tells on myself, right? But what I want you to understand is that's why he said you're stiff-necked and uncircumcised and you resist the Holy Ghost the same way your fathers did. In other words, if the Holy Ghost bears witness with your spirit, you're not going to hear it I'm waiting for God to answer me. You're just going to know it. Yeah, it's going to be such a soft impulse that's just very subtle. It's not your feelings. It's not suspicion. You just know. And do you know how many times that when you know something, how many times have you been in a situation where you're like, you know what? I knew better on that one. Yeah. What do you think that was? The voice of your spirit, which is your conscience. And where did your spirit get it from? How would your spirit know something that you don't know for sure? You are revelated. This is why you value being revelated. This is why when you hear me say things like, thank you, Lord, I'll do that. I'm acknowledging that he just revelated me. I'm acknowledging and thanking him because I want him to continue. You ever notice what you thank and reward gets repeated? I value revelation. There's things where I've said it to you and I'm like, wow, that's pretty good. I'm like, man, I wish I'd have thought of that. I value it. Do you value revelation? Because if you did, you would hold it as a pearl of great price. And anything that came to attack it, you would guard it. Anything that came to steal it from you, you would guard it. You'd be like, no, no, you can't have this. (laughs) The Lord revealed this to me. I got it now. And now that I got it, I'm going to walk in it. Might not be perfect at it, but I'm going to try. And as I walk in it and make the attempt to walk in it more begins to come the most unrevelated people I know are the most stubborn people (laughs) just I mean stubborn for no reason stubborn it's like dear God you're a goat you know a goat will buck you for no reason you trying to feed it it's hungry but we gonna fight it's like, aren't you? You're hungry. I know you're hungry. You haven't eaten. Yeah, but we got to fight first. <laughs> the problem is that fight will get you killed. Mark, uh, Mark ten seventeen. I want to show it to you in scripture. Mark ten seventeen. And when he was uh, gone forth into the way. There came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Master, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, and that is... Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered unto him, Master, all these things have I observed from my youth. Now, I want you to understand how Jesus is dealing with this guy. He doesn't know him, but he says, you know the commandments, and he rattles them all off. And the guy says, I've done all of that. In other words, I have stuck to the letter of the law. He goes, how do I obtain eternal life? Jesus beholding him was angry that he was so arrogant. Hmm? And as an expression of his love, he said unto him, The one thing you lack, the one thing you lack, go thy way, sell whatsoever you have and give to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come, take up the cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, it went away grieved. Jesus gives an expression of love and answers his question. And he is hurt by being loved. Think about that. See, you got to understand things are said a certain way for a reason. If, if the Bible had never said Jesus loved him, you would just say Jesus was offended at him and slapped him in the face with something so he'd walk away and be upset. But it says he loved him. He said, I, you, you have this way of thinking. I love you enough to tell you what the problem is for you. And he explains it to him. The dude gets sad. He's grieved. And he walks away. And it tells you the reason. For he had Now if you're writing in your own Bible or taking notes it would be better to say that great possessions had him. Verse 23 And Jesus looked round about and said unto his disciples How hardly shall they that what? Okay. Okay. There's a challenge with this interpretation or the wording here because in the Greek the actual word would actually be better translated hold, riches. Not those that have it but those that hold it. And I'm going to prove it out in just a second. Those that hold riches would be the ones that have a hard time Because they won't let it. So he says, How hardly shall they that have or hold riches enter into the kingdom of God? To have is not the same as to hold. Right? Verse 24. And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? jesus was giving this guy an answer he didn't stick around long enough he wasn't interested enough the disciples are like okay we're we're what are you trying to say obviously the disciples had great possessions as well they were all most a lot of people don't necessarily put this together But most every one of his disciples were business people. They had their own enterprises of different sorts. So they were not people who did not have means. So the moment you say people with means can't get into heaven, they're like, hold on, dude, we've been following you. (laughs) And, you know, you pretty much told us we was good to go. Now all of a sudden you're telling us we can't enter? And then he explains the light and the revelation of what this man, who if he had not walked away, he would have gotten it. See, sometimes your greatest moment of revelation is when, you're, when your head is offended. This is why people struggle. Because Satan loves you to get offended. Notice how I enunciated that. Offended. Well, why is he talking about that? He's always talking about this stuff I'm doing. So that you would get offended enough and push past that to hear the answer. But most people, what they'll do is shut it down. I'm done listening to him. (laughs) And the other people will be revelating you won't. This dude walked away. If he'd have stayed just five more minutes in the conversation, he'd have understood the answer he was given. Jesus said, how hard is it Or the disciples were astonished at his words? But Jesus answered again and said unto them, children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? Why did he tell that man to sell his possessions? It's it's okay. It's open book because he trusted in his riches more than he did. That was his problem. So then keep going. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, there's a couple of different beliefs theologically about what that means. One of them is that an actual camel to be pushed through the eye of a needle and the impossibility of doing that. Literally, literally a camel trying to be put through a needle. Just can't do it, right? There's another one that I think will help you to understand a little bit better what he's saying to them. At night, when the kingdom was shut down, they would drop the gates down to the point where you had to duck under to go in. The reason for that is anything that was packed and laden with goods, merchandise, weapons, could not pass through the gate at night. So they taught the camels how to get down on their knees and they would pull the camel crawling through the eye of the needle, which was considered the gate, the archway by which people would enter into a kingdom. The complexity of doing that was doggone impossible. And they would have to unload the camel first and take the stuff through that way than it was that the camel could not hold it and take it in itself. <coughs> Got it. So then he's telling them, keep going. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? Why? What, why would that be the question? He's already told them, whoever trusts in riches, if they were broke, they could have said, oh, good, we're saved because we have nothing. They're like, well, then who could be? In other words, nobody could be saved at this point. But New Testament Christians who believe we should be poor because they can be saved. Never mind. Keep going. And Jesus looked upon them and saying, with men, it is impossible but not with God. For with God... See, we quote all things are possible, but we don't understand that he's telling them that if you trust in God, it's possible. If you trust in riches and the things of the world, you might as well forget about it. How could this guy have not gotten the understanding? Because he got so short-circuited by his psychology, by his thinking, that he did not get what it is God had for him. Now, watch the different one, and then this is we'll, we'll find a place to land right after this. John 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that doeth them except God be with him. Jesus answers unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see. That word see also means to experience the kingdom of God. Why didn't he tell Nicodemus that he had to sell all his possessions? Nicodemus came with the same question. Do you notice how when the man who came and asked Jesus about, you know, I, I kept all the commandments, notice how he called Jesus good? And Jesus said, There's none good but God. He came. As after Jesus as a man and called him good this guy showed up and said we know God has to be working through you because nobody could do what you do except God be with you so what do we need to do to be a part of that Nicodemus approached through God that man approached him as a man it's huge It's huge. One is desiring after the right level of revelation and light. The other one isn't. It is that fragile to where your thinking, your way of doing things can literally derail the direction God's trying to take you to. Because people think God can overcome everything. He He can overcome everything but you. Isn't he God? Isn't he all powerful? Yes. Isn't he all knowing? Yes. Isn't he all loving? Yes. Well, then he should be able to overcome me? No. It's you that has to come to him and believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And when you come under the right pretenses and acknowledging what the things you should be acknowledging, then light comes. He explained it to him. He said, except a man be born again, he cannot see or experience the kingdom of God. Nicodemus was like, You mean to tell me I got to go back in my mother's womb and come back out again? Nicodemus was trying to figure this out. And she's like, No, <laughs> you're misunderstanding. And all ladies said, Thank God. <laughs> he said, No, what you have to do is what you have to understand is the things that are born of the Spirit. He starts breaking it down to him and giving him understanding that we now have today as being born again. Two people approaching with the same question and got two very different responses. Same God. Same word. Same Jesus. Has everything to do with you. Has very little very little to do with God because he's always willing to reveal himself to you. He's always willing to give you answers. He's always willing to show up in the midst of all of your situa- He, The Bible says he has to look to and fro to try to find somebody to show himself strong to. You understand, that's like me saying I got $10 million and I'm looking for somebody to give it to. I shouldn't have to look hard and shouldn't have to go far. But for God to have to do that, then you best begin to understand it has everything to do with with you. <laughs> I know saying one of these shouting things. I know it. But it's one of those things where you have to understand it's your approach. It's your coming to Him. It's your desire for Him. And when you come the right way, He'll, he'll just lay it out for you. He'll pour it all out for you. It's so interesting how Jesus took the time to explain to him, step by step, this is what it needed to be. And yet the other man left with his possessions, going to hell. Well, let's pray. You want to? I don't think I could take any more of y'all looking at me like this. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you. We are growing. That's what we're doing. We're growing. And we thank you that you have chosen us to reveal these things too, and to give us this type of light. Uh, it shows your love for us. It shows your desire concerning us. Um, it, it shows that when we understand that utterance is greatly dependent upon the hearers, then we know that people came today for answers. They came today to get understanding. And Lord, I thank you. You honor that. And you reveal things that will bring help and bring answers for them. So Father, I thank you for the privilege it is to uh, reveal the things you have shared, to speak the things you wish to speak. Father, I pray that my tongue has been the pen of a ready writer that we have said those things that will cause us to grow. We love the milk. We love the shout. We love the dance. We love all of that. But we thank you for the moments that we can grow because we know this is the most important thing in our walk with you is to grow to the next level. We thank you for it right now in Jesus' name. name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Love you guys.